0: Good day and welcome to February, or better known as Love Month. My name is Lorne Young, lead pastor of Discovery Church, and we are so thankful that you took time to be with us today to listen to this podcast. In the month of February, we are in a series called Double Tap, Finding Real Love in a Selfie World. Have a great day and enjoy this podcast. Uh, But what a great day to be here. It's February. Can you believe it? There's only 11 months till Christmas. Right insane, but i was I was actually uh got home yesterday at about five fifteen for i was I was out doing something you know, I got home at about five fifteen and the sky was still bright, and the sun was just going down, and I was like, summer's on its way meanwhile it's minus forty thousand outside, whatever it is it's like it's, yeah it's, it's like you have to run just to not freeze or something. Anyway, um, why don't you give a huge round of applause to Shane and Jamin for actually like standing outside this morning. You know what? This this gives you a little bit of an example of what our dream team is made out of. I literally the first thing I said to Shane this morning as he drove the trailers. they picked up the trailers at six thirty, arrived here at seven. I arrived at seven oh two, pulled in. I was like, man, don't don't worry about putting the flags out today. It's so cold. Don't worry about putting out the signs. It, 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 like I, I don't want you freezing. He's like, no, we got it. I, they weren't out last week, and I want to put them out this week because last week it was windy. This week, what if our neighbors think we're not existed anymore? We got to tell people that we're here. So. Th- Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Jamin, for like braving the elements and being outside. Um, They probably only have like eight fingers left, but here they are. So thank you. You got another 10 or another uh, few weeks ago. So thank you. But our dream team, man, you crush it every single week. you, you You would think that on a cold day like today that people wouldn't show up to set up you would think. But maybe that's just my, my um, limitation in my little puny mind. But, but today, literally seven o'clock, people were like jumping and hopping and, and coming in with a bounce in their step. And before coffee, everybody, before coffee, maybe we're doing it for Jesus. Thank you for doing it for Jesus. The best coffee around. Is there like a Jesus coffee, like a brand? Because it should be. Anyway, that's a totally different note. But it's February, and we're starting a brand new series called Double Tap. Now, uh, you might be like, what the heck is Double Tap? If you're an Instagram user, if you're, if you're well equipped and acquainted with with social media, you probably know what Double Tap is. But for the rest of us that may not uh, be so technological advanced and have some Facebook and social media and, and Instagram, I want to explain a little bit about what Double Tap means because I don't. Want, for the next four weeks, we're going to be in this series called Double Tap. It's Love Month. It's February. And I don't want you to be left behind. We don't want to leave you behind because there's going to be times that we're going to say Double Tap tap and it's going to mean something. And we want you to be well adverse on what double tap actually means. Okay. So this is what happens when social media takes over our planet. There's a, there's this, there's this thing called Instagram, which is, I would think is the biggest social media platform in our world right now. If you don't know what social media is, well, I've, I can't like, it's, it's a platform where people are social. Okay, but there's Instagram. And what, what happened when cell phones started taking pictures, what you would do, you would actually take a picture and you would post it on Instagram and then you would have followers. It sounds, it sounds a whole lot like Jesus, I think, because Jesus had followers. Anyway. So you, you, you get these followers, okay? And what would happen is you would take a picture and you would throw it on your feed on your page and people would flick through it and they could double tap. And when they double tap a picture, it gives you a little heart. And it's saying that I really like your picture or I really like you or, because this is totally a popularity contest. But what happens is that I could double tap on your picture and somebody else can and you get your likes go up. So what, but what happened when, when cell phones came around with pictures, what, what people would not only just take pictures of landscape, a big thing became they were taking selfies. So they'd put their camera up and they would take a picture, selfie, AKA picture of self. Okay. You would post it on your Instagram account and people would double tap on it to give you a little heart. Oh, I love that. I really like that picture. And the more likes you get, the better you feel about yourself. Let's be honest. It's you, It's true. It's all this battle for likes. See, it's somebody liking you right now. You got a notification about somebody tapping on your picture. But this double tap kind of thing, finding real love in a selfie world, is what we're going to unpack in the next four weeks. But this idea of double tapping a picture reveals a little bit of it, a little, a little bit about our culture. One, I think it sort of tells us and reveals to us that love seems to be cheap. One time, I had to, like if I loved somebody, I would have to go to their face and tell them. Get the courage up to be able to say it. But now it's kind of like I can tell that I love you just by double tapping on a on a picture. And do you do you really love them just by double tapping on a picture? We've made cheap, but but the other truth that is revealed is that we all desire to be loved. God actually created us with this, this, this longing inside of us to be loved and to love. I want to, so for the next four Sundays, we're gonna dive into this double-tap series: finding real love in a selfie world. And we want to explore this idea of love. And even in four weeks, we're probably only going to get like the top of the iceberg. And, and that's about it because the love of God is so vast, so big. Um, and even for all of our days, we could still never unpack the, and fathom the depth of his love. But as we jump into this series, uh, I, I just believe that this can be, be a spark. And, and today could be a launching time in our lives to actually understand some biblical love, not cheap love. But, but a love that God desired us to, to give and to receive. So would you pray with me as we jump in this morning? God, we just thank you for a great church. We thank you for an amazing city, even when the Oilers don't win. We just thank you that we have the freedom to be able to walk, to drive, to be able to come into a place and worship you because there's places in our, in our world that that's not possible. God, we thank you for your love. God, as today as we launch into a series and we try to unpack some some love and finding real love in the selfie world, would you help my words and, and the speaker's words just be able to be able to tell us and to show us and, and enable the Bible to come alive in your name. Amen. I titled the message today Belts, Bows, and Swords. So I didn't I I have one belt, and Sean Lee was like, don't use that one, so I have that one on. Bows, which uh, I literally had no idea how to unpack this. I don't even. know. Anyway, that's a bow. <laughs> thanks, thanks Annette for bringing it. And swords. This is, I knew that my souvenir from Thailand would come in handy at some point. Uh, when I got married, um, the love for my boy, like my like my swords and machetes and stuff, came off my wall and packed away in boxes. They're not allowed in my like they're in my. If you have a wife, you kind of like, you understand. It. It's like all like, your basement doesn't become the man cave anymore. It becomes like, eh, kind of like you can put up a baseball pitcher, but it's got to be placed in the right spot. And it's got to be really nice. And it's got to go with the rest of the decor, right? Um, I'm talking about love here, folks. Talking about love. Anyway, she, uh, she coughs down the front corner. Anyway, my lovely wife, Sean Lee, is right here. Uh, she loves me, even with my swords. We actually had to go digging this thing out. I was like, honey. Um, where's my sword from Thailand? And I was telling the story this morning. Um, I don't think I claimed it as a weapon. So if there's police officers here, just don't listen to my love this morning. Don't take me in. Anyway, I have this hanging out at home. And, um, so we have it. The title of my message this morning is belts, bows, and swords. Is there anyone here that can speak more than one language? More than... You guys are really smart. Anybody speak like more than two? Like you're like trilingual? What? Like, oh my goodness. I like, I I have a hard enough time speaking one language, right? Like you've heard me speak times. You're like, what in the world did he just say? It is within the English vocabulary, dialect, somewhere, some part of our world. Uh, for those that are, that are brand new, first time here, I'm actually originally from Newfoundland. Um, so sometimes my English just doesn't make sense, okay? And, and we're totally okay with it. You just smile at me and, and laugh at my jokes if I smile really big. I'm kidding. Uh, but I try really, 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 really well. But English, I've, I've heard, has been is the hardest language to learn. So if, if English is not your primary language, you could probably agree with this. That English has three words for two. We have Two two, and two. I still don't know where you put a T-O and a T-O-O. I do, knew, I do know T-W-O because Sophia is now in grade one. She taught me. But T-O and T-O-O, I, I really still don't know. But seriously, think about learning English. Every, all of it sounds the same. You're supposed to write it and you're supposed to know the difference. Or we have three words for there. Right? Have you ever thought about that? Yeah. It's like, of course. Don't, don't roll with the punches or anything. Just... And then we have three words for by. And a by is not one of them. B-Y, B-U-I, B-Y-E. Now I know the difference between these three words. They are spelled different. That's the difference between them. But it's like English is not an easy language. So we have three words for those, but, but we only have one word for love. So I, I'm not saying that two, two, and two is not important, but compared to the word love, I think it, it, it's not up there. And what happened from, from original manuscript of Greek and Hebrew is that when, it got, when our Bible got translated into English, for love got translated into one word, love. So love your neighbor is read in the same way that God loved the world. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not sure. I'll just, just be honest. God sent his son to die because he loved us. I'm not sure if I'm willing to send Hudson for my neighbor to die. Okay, but the word reads exactly the same. It looks exactly the same. So, and and because of this, I think that sometimes in our culture that the word of love has gotten cheapened. The the meaning of the word love has actually lost its significance. I can say in this sentence, I love chicken wings. And last week I was at the guy's pack party at Topshop and I had a chicken burger. It was after the Daniel fast and I love my chicken burger. It was good. But then I went home and it was 9.30 and we were getting ready for bed. Hey, honey, I love you. Good night. So I just told my wife that I love her like chicken. Right? It's kind of like, do you see where, where, where I'm going with this? Like we use the word, we throw the word love around. I love hockey. I love football. I love my wife. I love Jesus. I love, all of a sudden it's like, which, we don't know which love we're talking about. And if you actually look back at the original manuscripts of, of Greek and Hebrew, you would actually see that there were, actually, there were four uh, dominant love types that were shared throughout Scripture or referred to. And over the next four weeks, we're going to unpack one word per week to help us understand a little bit more about love that I feel that sometimes that maybe we've lost the significance within the translation of languages. There's actually four uh, types of love. And the first one that we're gonna talk about is philia today. And you might know Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. Philia is a word for love. From original Greek. Now, I'm not, I'm not a scholar, but guess what? Over the next four weeks, you're going to learn four words in Greek. And I'm going to learn them too. But today is filio, okay? Uh, next week is storge. I don't, and you might be here and you might be a Greek scholar and you're like, you are botching those up. Um, sorry for messing them up, but I'm going to call it storge. Um, and then the next week we're going to, which storge means family love. And then in the third week, we're going to talk about eros. You don't want to miss that one. That's erotic love. Come on, somebody. Um, I'm actually away that week. And Pastor Paul is going to be bringing uh, the word on uh, erotic love. You don't want to miss that one. You need to pack out this place. We need to live feed that. So while I'm in Ontario speaking at a, a friend's retreat, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to tune in. And then number four, we're going to talk about agape love, unconditional God love. So brotherly love, philia. Philia is the most common love throughout all of Scripture. In the most general form of love, it encompasses love with a fellow human, a care, like a respect, a, a compassion for people. It's the most common love that's mentioned throughout Scripture. And sometimes I feel, I'm gonna mention a little bit, sometimes I feel like we, we throw love on something and we think that it has to be sexual. But there are people in this room that I love you like a brother that's not sexual at all, but it's very biblical. So we want to unpack this, this one this morning. If, you're, if you were to reflect on your life right now, reflect on the last 12 years, 40 years, 80 years. I'm not sure how old you are. You all look 13 to 33 to me. When I said 13, I was like, no, you're not childish. I'm sorry. Like, you're, you're just young. Okay, we're all young. We're all young at heart. We're still, we're still breathing. We're still here. God's still got a purpose for us, no matter what age you are at. If you're still on this side of the ground, guess what? Your purpose is still to reach people for Jesus. So, um, but if you were to reflect on your life, you probably come to realize that you had some friends in your life that you actually felt this deep love for, this store, not storegate, this this love. I reflect on my life and I think back to my high school and I had friends like Jared and Craig who through my high school actually were a huge part to me, to playing a huge part in my life to sort of staying out of the party scene and out of the exploring scene. Every Friday night, Saturday, we would just hang out. We were brothers, not biological but in this love sense. And then, then in, uh, in university, I have friends like Rick and, and Mike, and we're still friends to today. And you could probably reflect in your life and you could probably see some friends that may have come and, and gone and maybe you're still friends with them. And, and what, what's a sign of a really good friend is that when you can go and say hi and you haven't talked to them for four months, you can kind of pick up everything like right away. Five minute conversation, the next thing you're like watching TV. It's like, I got nothing else to say, right? That's a good friend. But I wanna ask us the question today is that who do you have in your life today that you would say is a good friend? Not just somebody that comes around every four and five months, and it's good to have those throughout your, 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 your time uh, in, in life, but who do you have today who would cry with you if you hurt, who would celebrate with you when you get a promotion who would go to, to fight for you when you're not even around? Who in your life today could you say is that, friend? In a world where there's thousands of followers and hundreds of people double tapping on your, on your pictures day after day after day, telling you that they love you, in a world where we have more followers and we're more connected than ever, We're the loneliest generation to ever walk this planet, which is insane to think about. And God never intended for us to go through life without good friends. And I know for some people it's, it's just, you'd rather just be in the corner by yourself at home and not be around anybody. But can I tell you something? And we say it often is that you have to be a Christian for yourself, but you cannot be a Christian by yourself. Is that God created you to be in relationship with others and he created me to be in relationship with you. Not just to go through life alone, and as I started reflecting on this filial this love, there's, there's a story in the Bible. There's two people in the Bible that I think illustrates it really well on what it means to be a really good friend. And it's Jonathan and David. And to give you a little bit of background, David, we, we talked about him before. David was the, the, the guy that killed Goliath. The little boy, the teenager that killed Goliath. He was the youngest of, of, his, of his brothers. He was the youngest person in his family. He was a shepherd boy. And then we have, then we have Jonathan. who was actually the king's son. He was King Saul's son. So Goliath was killed by David. King Saul was in charge of the Israelites. Now, if you continue looking into the story, you will see that a few books before in the Bible that David was actually anointed by Samuel to be the next king of Israel. But when David killed Goliath, Saul welcomed welcomed David into his family. And this is what it reads. It says, after David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. There was an immediate bond. Just put yourself in Jonathan's shoes for a moment. Jonathan was the prince of Israel at this point. Here comes David into the picture. And now, David, who will be the future king. So in some ways, your rival now becomes your best friend. How would that make you feel if you were Jonathan? And it continues to read, From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe, giving it to David together with his tunic, his sword. I'm sure they had a bow like this. <laughs> and his belt. See, Jonathan recognized the call on David's life. Jo- Jonathan recognized that there that, that was a plan that God had, had David set up for and Jonathan honestly just didn't want to stand in the way. The sword and the bow and the tunic and the belt, this, it, it was significant. It wasn't just like, ah, oh, well, here's my extra, Sophia. And every now and then, Shonley and I talk to Sophia, and she has like fingerlings and, and Elsa's and Olaf's and however many toys. And we're like, we need, we need to donate some of these and she goes and takes like the worst of the worst toys. Oh, this one's got a broken tail and this one has no eyeball. And well, we'll donate these and We're like, oh no, 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 no. You're gonna donate your best ones because your other ones you can still play with. You're gonna donate your best ones. And she's like, oh, it's like she loses a little bit. We haven't gotten to the place yet. Where we're saying you're donating your only one. I think she would just like go through the wall. But this is what's happening, is that the this, this sword and bow that, that Jonathan possessed was his bow and his sword. And I'm sure Sean Lee would be like, can you please give away your sword? Um, but it was his. It was, it was presented to him as a prince of Israel. It wasn't just a normal sword. When you would have seen his tunic and when you would have seen his belt and his sword and his bow, people would have recognized him and said, that's the prince of Israel. And 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 you you see this friendship happening where where Jonathan takes the, his most prized possessions and says David I want to give to you and when he gives them to David what he's saying is saying I am giving you my birthright I am giving you my fortune I am giving you the future that I'm entitled to but I see God's plan on your life I see God's anointing on your life and I'm going to give them to you because I don't want to stand in the way and my question for us today is that who do you have in your life that you're investing in that. You're You're willing to give away your most prized possession to see your ceiling to become their floor, that they would be way more popular, that they would have more influence in the kingdom, that they would be richer and more successful than you are just because you're good friends with them. But vice versa, who's in your life who would do the same for you? Who's in your life that would have your back even when you're not around? continues reading in 1 Samuel 19. He says, Saul, Saul now urged his servants. If you read the story, Saul, King Saul was very jealous, wanted to kill David because he knew that David was going to take over the throne of Israel at some point. And this is what happens. Saul now urged his servants and his sons, Jonathan, to assassinate David. But Jonathan, because of his strong affection for David, told him what his father was planning Tomorrow morning, he warned him, you must find a hiding place out in the fields. I'll ask my father to go out there with me and I'll talk to him about you. Then I'll tell you everything I can find out. Verse four, the next morning, Jonathan spoke with his father about David, saying many good things about him. The king must not sin against his servant David, Jonathan said, he never done anything to harm you. He has always helped you in any way he could. Have you forgotten about the time he risked his life to kill the Philistine giant and how the Lord brought a great victory to all of Israel as a result? You were certainly happy about it then. Why should you murder an innocent man like David? There is no reason for that at all. So Saul listened to Jonathan and vowed, As surely as the Lord lives... David will not be killed. You gotta understand for a moment. Here's Jonathan, the son of the king, standing up for a friend, to a father, to a man who was outraged, who was so mad at David. and you can see this bond of friendship that Jonathan and David would have had that Jonathan is willing to literally to put his life on the line for his friend And you might be saying, well, this seems all one-sided. This is just Jonathan giving him friendship and friendship and friendship. But If you actually read the story, David knew that he was to be king. He was anointed, he was chosen by God. Jonathan knew that he was to be king. Jonathan gave him his sword and his bow and said, here, I I stand. I will be your first cheerleader. And if you look at the story, David didn't say, okay, Jonathan, now get out of my way. I'm gonna be king. I'm gonna rule your, your father. I'm gonna go kill you. David didn't do that. David recognized the friendship. And David recognized that God had a timing and a plan and David actually waited 20 years. If you continue reading the story, there were times that David ran and had to hide in dark caves. And he was, he was literally homeless as, as the palace, as the, as the king, kingship, all the land was actually entitled to him. But he said, I will wait for God's timing. And if you actually continue reading the story, you'll see a pact between David and Jonathan that David will always care for Jonathan's family. The story that we read this morning exemplifies a love that I believe that God created us for that sometimes gets lost in translation. Sometimes it even seems a little weird for for two men to go up to each other and say, man, I just love you. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for your friendship. As soon as we throw that word love and we're kind of like, oh, that's really weird because... It's, like, it's either like we distort it to chicken wings or we elevate it to, well, it's gotta be sexual and it's not the case. There's a bond that, that can be between two individuals that are neither, but it's just this love and care and devotion. And I will go to, I will go to the grave with you. I will, go, I will stand in the corner. If people knock you down, I will, I will stand up for you and I will get down on the ground and I'll help pick you up. I won't just laugh at you or, or try to brush it. I will get down and get dirty on the ground when you're down. And this is a love that I think God is, not that I think, I know that God is calling us to because there's verses like iron sharpens iron. There's people that, 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 that need to be there for you, but we need to open ourselves up to having friendships like that. As I look at the word love, there's a, there's a couple issues that I, I see, a couple problems I see as I look at that word. A few, a few months ago, we looked at a series called Hashtags. And one of the biggest problems with love in our culture is that we think love is a feeling, when, but when love is actually a choice. And we think love has to be sexual. And, and as, soon as, as soon as that feeling or that, those urges, uh, if, you, if you're in a, a marriage relationship, as soon as it wears off, you're kind of like, oh, I guess it was, uh, it's not love anymore. Love is a choice. Love is sacrificial. Another big, big problem, and we're going to. This is one I really want us to pull apart today. Is that so many times we think that one individual in our lives can fulfill all the kind of love that God created us for, and this is particularly uh, evident when we when we look for a spouse or look for a significant other. That what happens is that we look for. Philia love, and storge love, and eros love, and agape love, all in one individual. And God never created us to find all the love in one individual. Eros love, one person inside a marriage. Just putting that out there, okay? Filial love, can I tell you something? Your husband or your wife cannot give you filial love. Filial, or not filial love, uh, uh, agape love. uh, We're gonna talk about in the fourth week. Cannot give you agape love. That's an unconditional love that can only come from God. And so many times we look for our spouse or a significant other to fill every kind of love that we need. And what happens is when we're not fulfilled in those areas, we feel like, well, the love is worn off. Can I tell you something else? You can be really good friends and you might be best friends with your spouse, but can I tell you that God is actually wanting you to have other friends, guys with guys, girls with girls, that he's wanting you to have a brotherly love. And if you're looking for all your filial love in your spouse, guess what? They will not be able to measure up. They will not be able to measure up. That God is asking us to invest in relationships that the other person is better off and you are better off. And as a filial love, God created us to be in love with other people. And even me saying that is kind of like, ooh, just because. We don't understand all the time the different contexts of love. So who's in your life today that you know that if people were talking bad about you around, Shereen, I'm just gonna call you back up. That'd be awesome. If you weren't around and they were talking bad about you, you know that they would have your back. Who's in your life today that if, If you lost your job and things went really south and you needed a place to stay, that you could go and bunk out of their house and no questions asked. Who's in your life today? And then on the reverse, who are you for somebody else? It's great to have friends throughout your life, but can I tell you something? that I would be an idiot to think that there's not lonely people here today. I would be not thinking right if I thought that, man, we all had really good friends because the reality is, is the more that we get connected socially, the more we disconnect intentionally. We need deep quality friendships. We do. 2019, I've been saying it, 2019 will be the best year of your life if you welcome in relationships. And this is what I want us to do this morning. We have a couple minutes left. This Sunday and next Sunday, we, we have opened up, sign up for discovery groups. And we don't only want to be a church with groups. We actually say that we want to reach our city in two ways. Our church experience, which you're experiencing this morning, we want to create a place that you can invite anybody. I was I was at or, uh, Joey's uh, for date night on Thursday, and Sean and I, we had a had a conversation with one of the the waitresses there and we invited her. We want to create an experience that no matter where you go, you can invite people and you're not worried. You just know that they'll get connected to a community. And the second way is we want to create groups that are life-giving, where our our relationships are loving. So this is what our challenge is. My challenge for us today is, is that you would get invested in a group. Now I want to tell you something. That there is a risk in this. Because at any time that you take a—even if if you're married here, you had to take a risk to ask your significant other out for the first time. You had to take a risk to walk down the aisle. You take a risk to step into a mortgage. You take a risk. Finding friendships is risk-taking. But with great risk, there's great reward. And you just don't throw out the, the idea that, well, I guess nobody likes me. No, you have to work at it. And it might not be convenient to block off your Tuesday evenings or your Thursday evenings or your Sunday nights, however it is, but you need friendship. We need friendship. So what I'd like to do is actually call all of our groups. We have four groups launching this semester, launching in in two weeks, just up to the front. And I'm just going to talk about them briefly. And then we actually have sign-ups in the back. So if you're a group leader, would you just just come up and just spread out? We're just going to pray over our group leaders. We believe that out of this can come some friendships that are going to radically change and make our lives better. So we have four groups. Dan and I are actually leading a men's group on a Tuesday night. If you're a man here and you don't have any friends, I'm getting there. If you, if you feel like, man, I don't know who I would call, come hang out. If you have friends, bring them because you need to allow people into that life as well. Then we have a, a young adults group that Paige and Kelby are leading and it's happening on Saturday nights. Sign up for that one. Guys, we need to be connected. We need to create an atmosphere where, where, where love is in the air and not in, a, not in a romantic way. We need to be getting back to the root of it. The Bible talks about this kind of love more than any other one. Shauna Lee Kristen. and Kristen, she's sick today. She needs somebody to love on her, right? Shauna and Kristen are, is running a ladies' one. Tuesday nights, get connected. Stop by the tables at the back, sign up. And then Vern... And Vaughn and Vianne and Lois are running a, a foundations one. So if you're here and you've given your life to Christ probably within the last year, or you just feel like, man, I, I, I like this feeling. I like, I, like, I, I like church, but I don't really know all this about Jesus and, and God and why the Bible is the only book. This, this is the one you want to be a part of. Find connection. So I wanna pray over these individuals and, and then I got one more thing to do and we're gonna, uh, you're gonna go sign up. Everybody's gonna go sign up. Awesome, thank you for giving me a high five on that one. So let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for creating, be able to create opportunities for people to connect. God, today as, as four groups are identified here, God, would you move in all hearts that we would connect, that we would take a risk the fine friendship love, the fine filial love within the walls of Discovery Church. God, today as, as we just launch into a new semester for Discovery Groups, would this be a semester where we're actually doing life together? We're actually growing love for one another as the early church knew to love one another. And God, today, would you move it on all hearts that we would be willing to invest some of our time, not just for ourselves, but maybe there's somebody else that depends on it. In your name, amen. Thanks. Thank you for taking time to tune into this week's podcast from Discovery Church. We hope you have a great week and we are excited for you to listen again next week. Have a great day.